0: For us, because we are so veg-focused, and veg in general in the past has been quite affordable, we have managed to be able to keep our costs down quite well, but right now we are paying a premium for everything. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking about something
1: that touches us all, whether we're working in hospitality or just enjoying hospitality from the restaurants, cafes, bars, pubs that are delivering it to us. Uh, But it's a pretty tricky climate when produce is so expensive. Uh, People are very price sensitive. It's really tricky to manage. And we're going to chat to Shannon Martinez today about all of that. Shannon has Smith & Daughters and Smith & Deli. Shannon, great to have you on Dirty Linen.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Yeah it's um, always good to have a chat but I mean the impetus for asking you on today was seeing some of your social media posts about the shocking price of produce. I think it was the $15 iceberg lettuce that really stopped me in my tracks. Um, tell us about you know what what's happening for you in terms of getting food into the restaurant.
0: Uh, well you know the days of purely basing your menu on seasonal produce or what you actually want to have on your menu seem to be gone. Uh, We are now purely basing our menus designed on what we can actually afford. Uh, So this is something new. I mean, obviously, we all – all restaurants do proper costings and we work to a budget with food costings and all sorts of things like that, but – Never has it been purely based on that. Like, what I've actually ended up doing now with our wholesaling list is going through and writing a list of what my staff are allowed to actually use. So that's, that's a first uh, and I've been cooking since the late 90s and this is the first time that has ever happened and it was only as I decided to start making these daily lists for my staff that I was getting a grasp of just how crazy this has gotten over a really short period of time. Uh, Obviously with the floods and things that have happened in the past and the fires and everything, you know, we understand that cost of goods go up and down, but we've never seen anything like this. And, you know, I've got things like dry bilotties. That's now on your list of things you must use on the menu Uh, pulses, things like that, because there's, you're running this risk now of you either absorb the costs and it affects your business or you charge what needs to be charged to the customer and run the risks of customers being scared off by the prices. And and we know that it's hard enough to, to um to get people through the doors of restaurants still. So adding another thing on top of that is um it's a scary decision to make. So we're having to be very smart. And this isn't like the fun kind of smart, you know, where you get to create great things and It's pretty stressful and I just – I'm starting to feel like no matter what happens, HOSPO is right at the forefront of the major blows that are happening every single time. Um, And, again, it's like, you know, we're still grappling with staff at the moment and not only now am I dealing with having to do these daily runs over to Rising to drop off tonnes of food. Like literally we're making three tonnes of food for Rising Festival right now amidst having no staff to even do our own shops. Um, So I'm here carting around bags and bags of split pea soup whilst also trying to figure out what we are going to be able to have on the menu tonight because it's all the money we can afford to use, you know. So it's getting to the point where I'm like, why the hell am I doing this anymore? It's not fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right in, you know, hospitality just seems to be such a frontline business, absorbing all these different blows, whether they come from a health point of view, from, you know, dealing with wet, adverse weather points of view. Transport, of course, is a big part of getting food to restaurants and we know that the price of, of petrol and diesel has gone up. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're so right. It, it is um, it is coming from all angles. I mean, just from mm-hmm. a, a customer sensitivity point of view, what, what kinds of things do you notice about, about what, you know, when you raise prices, what the response is or, you know, having those conversations with people, like how much understanding is there about about the, the, the price things need to be?
0: I mean, it's never good. And obviously the ones that don't like things generally speak the loudest. So, you know, when I look at general comments, whether they be online or in reviews and things like that, price is always something that's mentioned. Um, but, you know, I, I tend to not listen too much to that in the the past Um, because you're never going to make everyone happy and there are plenty of people out there that don't understand the amount of work that something as simple looking as a croquette can take you know that that's hours and hours of work made by hand so there's a lot of labor in these things that I understand that not everyone knows what goes into stuff like that so I tend to not pay too much attention to it in general but now it's different. And I know that everyone's struggling just the, the, the general public. Everyone's tight for money. Like, you know, I just keep thinking to myself, God, if it's costing me this money for produce, how are how are families that are struggling already going to be coping with this? And that's when, you know, you know that these families in low socioeconomic groups, they start going to places like McDonald's because the price of a cheeseburger meal hasn't gone up. So, and and it's way cheaper to go to Macca's than it is to make a bloody salad right now. So, you. You can't blame people for like, you know, trying to find these alternatives. So I'm just, I don't know, I was going to put up a poll on Instagram to try and just see what would you rather me reduce the portion size and keep the costing the same or keep the portion sizes the same and up the cost, you know. And and I saw an a Instagram story today saying we'll be absorbing the costs so you don't have to and it's like, well, that's all well and good. But it it's getting to a point where we I can barely – I'm barely floating at the moment as it is, you know. Um, The amount of people you've got off sick at a constant rate that you're paying to not be at work um, and then it's just so much. So we've been absorbing the cost up until now, but that was before that was $15.80 a head. So... I don't think I can continue to just absorb it. So I have to come up with a solution, and that's rearranging menus to use whatever I can find. Yesterday, I was at the markets handpicking everything myself, and I'll be doing that every single day because that saved me a fortune. So for anyone listening, go to the markets. I mean, you know, I got two cos lettuces for four bucks yesterday at the big markets, and I was getting eggplants for 450 a kilo, capsicums for $5 a kilo, and that is about a third of what I was getting charged from my wholesaler. So As annoying as it is to have to go every day and cart stuff in my car back and forth, it's just something I'm going to have to do until things settle um, because I just don't have an option and I can't be charging my customers two fifty dollars a head because they're just not going to come and I just don't blame them really either.
1: Yeah, I mean that is so much extra work and changing a menu is also – you know that must be so challenging to be you know flipping your menus all the time especially when you've got i assume as everyone does you've got staff that are perhaps less experienced than you may you know in your in your ideal world um and you know i suppose that's always room for error um and i suppose you know when kitchens are always going for consistency that must make that challenge even yeah
0: even larger yeah totally and you know and, and additional costing like having to reprint menus and pay someone to come in and, and um, you know, set them all up in the computers and change your point of sale systems every day. Again, more and more costs all the time. People having to come in an hour, two hours early each day, like the, you know, front of house management or the team to redo the point of sale system, do more training, do tastings for the staff. It's just exhausting. And now with the gas prices going up, I'm like, oh my God, it's never ending. I just it's disheartening to say the least. And it's, it's getting really tough.
1: Do you think there's a perception out there as well? You know, you've got vegan restaurants. Is there a perception that vegan food should be cheap or cheaper at least?
0: Uh, yes, I think so. But now we're looking at eggplants costing more than chicken, which is disgusting when you think about that, that the life of an animal is worth less than an eggplant. Um, but right now we, we are definitely, I mean, for us, because we are so veg-focused and veg in general in the past has been quite affordable, we have managed to be able to keep our costs down quite well um, because of that, because so we don't rely on expensive dairy and things like that, more luxury items, you know. But but right now we are paying a premium for everything. So we are, well, if not more, because we can't rely on animal proteins. I know animal protein has gone up, but not as much as veg has. And do you, what
1: do you hear from your suppliers about how things are going to roll out over the next weeks and months? I've been told
0: that this is going to be like this until at least spring. I don't know if there's anything to back that, but that's what I've been told. But, again, at the markets, the guys in the markets didn't seem to think there was a big problem. So I'm getting mixed signals from everyone. The guys in the market says there's not a shortage at the markets at all where they're buying from. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what's happening in terms of, um, this different these different levels of costings from different suppliers everywhere. Um, I, I don't know what's I don't know why lettuce is costing me fifteen eighty from one supplier, uh, eight dollars from another one, and I can get two cause lettuce for four at the Vic Market. So I don't know what's happening there. Yeah, I don't know uh, either. But uh, yeah, think, so I'm not sure if everyone's aware out there. I'm sure the general public probably aren't as a whole. But um, for produce. Generally, things will come in grades. So you've got first, first, seconds. And I mean, sometimes thirds. not a lot of mostly first and seconds. <clears throat> first grade, you're looking at more like your pristine produce, things that you use for garnish, uh, you know, like unblemished limes for cocktails, things like that. And then you go in your seconds, which are still perfectly fine produce, but will have small blemishes, things that we'd use in making, say, Posada or dips or things like that. And at this point, Seconds are being sold as firsts if you're lucky enough to get your hands on it in the first place. Um, So all all these things that we've been taught to use and how to cost things correctly, these have all gone out the window pretty much.
1: It's so intense. I mean, apart from, you know, the dish creation that's prompted by these, yeah, shortages or, or price rises, the, you know, like, yeah, doing all the sums in the back end and doing all the costings, I mean, that must take a lot of time and
0: a lot of stress as well. Yeah, it's draining because, you know, creating new menu items is supposed to be one of the highlight parts of our job, Uh, you know, but when you're doing it under extreme pressure and not out of want, but out of absolute necessity, um, it, it it takes the love out of it, I can tell you that, and... You know, you want to put something in there but then you look up the price and you're like, shit, I can't put an eggplant in that dish. All right, what else can we use? What else can we use? Um, And you go down and down the line, further and further down the line until you can find something that that will fit in the budget so you can sell that to your customer at a reasonable price. It's – yeah,
1: it's just – it's very challenging. I mean, I suppose, you know – from a customer point of view, the only thing I can hope is that people are noticing produce is so expensive at their local fruit shop. You know, my kids are asking for iceberg lettuce and I'm just like, nope.
0: <laughs> no chance. Cabbage for you and that's it. And and that's going to be a problem too is like now everyone, you know, I mean, bloody KFC is using cabbages now instead of iceberg lettuce for their burgers. So it's going to have a trickle-down effect. You know, the things that people are now using instead of something else will then become scarce and then they'll go up. And, and go again and again and again until everything is up, you know. Um. So enjoy the cabbage while it lasts, people. Yeah, <laughs> just batch up some kimchi,
1: guys, because, yeah, Actually, <laughs> cabbage will be next. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cabbage will be next. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just so dispiriting as you say to think that hospo's got to absorb yet another blow and all i can hope is that yeah the supply chains ease up um prices drop you know for, for everyone um and that in the meantime there's a lot of empathy and kindness but yeah it's just, it's just it just stretches people in all kinds of different ways
0: yeah it really does and it's a bit scary it's like you know if you make the wrong move, if you if you pass on those costs to the customers and they and it's too much for them, and you risk you run the risk of having an empty restaurant, and then you're you're done as well, you know. So it's it is it is a, a scary one, and I guess that's why I'm kind of using social media a little bit because I don't want for one second people thinking that restaurants are taking the piss. Um, and and to the most part, we do absorb those costs as much as possible all the time, you know. Um, Uh, but it's getting to a point now where it's just getting too hard to do that.
1: Yeah, no, totally understandable. And, you know, I've seen posts really thoughtful, obviously difficult to put out their posts from a lot of businesses, you know, about price rises and, you know, that it's obviously done, it's clearly done with reluctance, but also it's, it's a necessity. So yeah, hopefully it's met with understanding. Shannon, I'd love to switch gears and chat to you about an event that you recently did in Adelaide. We caught up with Alana Brabin on the podcast um, a month or month or so ago about a, a forum that she was um, putting on and that you were part of a panel around toxic hospitality. Uh, how was that? Tell us about it.
0: Look, it was an amazing event. It was unfortunate that the turnout wasn't um, as big as we'd hoped for, we were really kind of trying to engage a lot of the students, um, you know, within the hospitality TAFE courses and things like that, to give them a bit of a heads up and a bit of knowledge from, you know, the people that have come before them. Uh, but it was still great, and it's caused quite a lot of um, discussion after, which is great. And I've been speaking to quite a lot of people uh, since that event, so that so. It, you know, it has done its job and it's something we're really hoping to be able to take further in interstate, obviously, because this is this is a worldwide problem. Um, we started in Adelaide because for some reason Adelaide has quite a bad problem uh, when it comes to toxic behaviour in the hospitality industry. Uh, so it was good. It was really good, you know, and I've had a lot of experiences myself in this and a lot of them have been quite recent. And so my main focus for my talk which you know, initially I thought I was going to be talking to a lot of students was just to explain to them if it could happen to me in my position, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but as someone with years in the industry um, and an owner of their own business, then just imagine what could be happening to your 15 year olds just coming into the industry. And we're so desperate for people to, to to join the hospitality industry as it is that you know these we can't afford to be losing them because of a handful of horrible human beings so was the focus of your talk
1: was it around how to deal with this behavior was it about sort of i guess
0: unpicking the culture that fosters it i mean what what were you yeah yeah it was that it was what to look out for um within the industry i guess once you step back from that kind of behaviour, it's very easy to see, um, you know, how things happened, what happens um, to cause these certain situations. Uh, what When you're in it, it's a little harder to um, to see that. Uh, so I was kind of giving a bit of a checklist of, of what to keep an eye on, what I, I explained, um, my personal situation um, and how that came about. And... Um, my main aim for that was to actually um, start a further conversation on it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there, um, specifically men in this industry, that um, think of themselves as slightly untouchable and uh, that needs to change. Uh, and, you know, there needs to be more support around around people who, who have fallen victim to that kind of behaviour from the, the rest of the industry. Less protection in the boys' club.
1: You know, it really it makes me think of this... Um thing I read on, it was like a repost of a Reddit thing that uh, it was a group of college girls in the US who had created like a WhatsApp group called Hose Union. And it was basically to stay in touch with one another about frat houses that they thought were, you know, perhaps not safe spaces for women or even particular guys who, you know, had been, who had assaulted um, some of these young women uh, and just, to, just to basically check up on each other. And if, and if one girl felt unsafe at a party that she'd message the others and then they would all leave and the pushback, yeah, it sounds so great. And the pushback that they got not only from some of these frat boys um, but also even from the institution where they were, you know, by, by, they were accused of uh, like excluding people, of gossiping.
0: Um, it's just, it was so interesting. It, I've got that myself. I, I got that myself as well. I can totally understand how that happens. This is why women don't come forward. Or even men, you know, um, in my specific situation, um, it wasn't only targeted towards women it was also targeted towards men uh and you know through my talks with all the people that sort of fell victim to this person um they're all too scared to talk you know and and even and and as a woman it's it's hard enough in the hospitality industry to um to get to where you want to be let alone i think i think there's this fear of being tagged as um it, it does tend, it can take over Everything else, when when we're talking about abuse, whether that be sexual or physical bullying, um, you know, mental or whatever, um, it can it can sort of start to take over as your identity in the end, you know. Um, and so I get it; I, I I can see why that would have happened because I felt that way too. You know, all of a sudden the people you thought were your friends are no longer your friends, and you'll see them out at a festival cooking with that person in the outback when only a few months prior you were talking to that person about your situation and they were sympathising with you. So you can feel very supported one minute and then the next minute you can feel like everyone is um, behind your back stabbing you. So I I totally understand how how that could happen. It's scary because the idea of that is perfection. That's how it should be. but in reality, it's not, and everyone's too scared to speak up. Um, they're worried too much about, you know, either what's going to happen, the impact is going to happen on their careers, um, and then everyone just stays quiet. And these certain people just get away with doing it over and over again.
1: It, even the word gossip, I think, is really telling. You know, it's a word that's generally applied to women's conversations. It's it's pejorative. It's um it's it trivializes the kinds of conversations that might be. Being had um, and the kind of support that's afforded to the people having them, it's really there's so much to unpack in all that. Yeah, there's a lot.
0: There is a lot, and you know it's been a long time coming. And and I'm pretty secure in myself and what I do within the industry, and um, I feel comfortable enough to have spoken about it at that event. Um, and I'm always here as an ear. And, you know, I, I told them that at the talk that I'm here always. And I got multiple people contacting me after that event, um, to explain their own personal experiences, whether that be with my situation or with other people. Uh, and it's, it definitely started a a conversation. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm not going to hold my breath because, you know, history tells that not usually a lot comes from this sort of thing, but We'll see what we can do. Well, I think you
1: know all change is incremental, but it is change. Um, Shannon, if someone's listening to this and they feel like they might be in a situation, you know they recognize what you're saying in their situation. Do you have any advice for them about how to how to manage? Yeah I,
0: you you need to find a safe circle, I guess, find someone that you know definitely will support you and has your back. Um, If you know anyone, I guess, in media that that is honest and true, you can talk to them. I'm always here as well. There are plenty of us in this industry and and others that have gone through pretty average situations um, and that have spoken up about it. So find some people that that you know you can trust um, and, and hopefully they can help you either take it further or just support you in however you need.
1: Yeah, well, and I would add myself to that. I'm here as well. If anyone wants to reach out and send a message, um, please, please do.
0: There are some of us out there that will believe you um, and, and help you through it and hopefully get an outcome, which is whether it's a resolution or if it needs to go further. Uh, and, and I'm sure there are there are legal means as well out there if it gets to that point, you know. Um, yeah, well, and...
1: In the end, hopefully we'll have a hospitality industry that's thriving, that people feel is safe and and is supportive and they've got, you know, viable career paths and, yeah, even lettuces that they can afford.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I think we're a little way off that, but it, it, it should come hopefully one day. We'll have a quality and cheap lettuce for all. Thanks
1: so much for sharing with us today, Shannon. It's always so great to catch up with you. Really appreciate it. And yeah, good luck with those, um, those menu tweaks and yeah, trawling the markets for the, for the good stuff. Thank you. Good talking to you, love. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives.